Welcome to Build to Lead, forming the healthcare leaders of tomorrow. Back at you for season three. There's no denying that the last two to three years have been tough, and news cycles continue to report on the doom and gloom happening at home and abroad. And today, we want to take a breather from that and reflect on something more positive joy. But what is joy? Joy is energy. Joy is resistance. Joy is being in your mojo. Let's learn together on season three of Built to Lead, getting back to joy. Welcome back to Built to Lead, season three, episode 11, Achievement and Joy, part two. I'm Mubin. And I'm Matthew. And today we're continuing our conversation with Jackie Schleifer-Taylor. You know, Matthew, I don't think Jackie knew she was doing this at the time, but even just the first 20 minutes, she was touching on themes that our other guests had talked about. So basically, as we recapped at the end of last week, the importance of acknowledging when you are wrong goes hand in hand with Zaina's discussion about how to find meaning. We have to discard the work that is not important. She also talked about the criticality of the trust built in those relationships that is a callback to our interview with Angela. And you also heard her talk about making the best decisions with the information she had available, which is exactly what Ron said when we talked to him about positive emotion. And finally, she talked about the need to increase frequency of engagement when managing through challenging times, which again, coincidentally, is in line with Mary and what she was saying about engagement and complexity just in our last episode. So it really just goes to show you why we chose this PERMA model and why we're even okay changing around the order a bit with these episodes. We talk about the pillars in isolation so we can go deeply into them, so we can really dig into the subject. But the themes and key messages echo through each other. All five pillars need to work together to build a foundation of joy. Honestly, Matthew, for a podcast about joy, I can't help but feeling a little sad, though. What? Wait, why are you feeling sad, Mobin? Because we've done positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and today we're doing the last half of our arc on achievement, which means our season is coming to an end. Well, Mobin, I think I have something to cheer you up. I got something for you. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) We're actually going to dive into part two of our conversation with Jackie, and I know for sure you're going to be able to find something that's going to be able to put that smile back on your face. You're right. Let's get into it. So can you maybe talk about how do we do a better job of being nourishers in the system? So whether it's established leader, emerging leaders, early careers, is there maybe one or two things that you do that you think other leaders can emulate to be that good nourisher? Thank you, Matthew. I do think nourishing is a starting place for that is meeting people where they are. If you can imagine a highway, I was going to say a, a, a track, like a, a running track, but I, I, any sort of, you know, lines of long length. I always believe that not only on any given day, but in any given point in a person's career and in, on any given day, people are just lined up at different points. And I think as a leader, recognizing where someone is on any given day and meeting them where they are is really important because while I like to think of the work environment and the people I work with as part of you know, my LHSC 
team, LHSE, 15,000 people, um, work family. I know that each of those individuals likely, in most cases, have families of their own, and they're dealing with different things on different days. They can be joyful things in their personal lives, but they can also be other matters of stress or concern. And I couldn't know that. But what I do know is that if I see them, if I really see them on any given day, um, my commitment is to meet them where they are. And, And I think that genuine appreciation for people and that they matter and, and if that's a genuine thing, that changes a relationship with any individual and their employer and how they show up. So I think nourishing starts with seeing people, not as workers, but as people in the environment and, and making sure that you see them. And if you see them, you can't help but care for them. That That's one of the, the pieces. I, I also think that It's really important to help people know how they fit into the big picture. You know, a good example I would share with you is I know exactly how the porters fit into the big picture at LHSC. And I know exactly how um, all of the medical device reprocessing team fits in. And they know it too. I know that they're not just the people um, air quotations just, who take people from A to B and in the former, and they're not just the people who prepare all of the devices for surgery, for example. These are two functional arms of our organization that are critical to patient experience and, and their lives. And, and so I think if for any part of the sector, if individuals understand how they fit into the bigger picture and how critical their roles are as we all learn through the pandemic, just how important it is a grocery clerk is. I think that nourishes people as well. It's one thing to show up to a job. It's another thing to show up to contribute to a purpose. So as a leader, I think about that a lot. I think about that in terms of not seeing it exhibited because I don't know how else not to be thinking about everybody here and what they're doing. Jackie, everything that you've said, I just love. And I say that because I've been able to resonate with what you're saying, because as a caregiver, when I take a parent to the hospital to receive care, they usually talk about the experience or the conversations that they have with not those who are clinicians, but the ones who are taking them there more than than the clinicians themselves at times. And it's about how those individuals feel in those environments that then oozes out of them. Right. And it creates this energy, this vibrant experience that honestly unconsciously provides care. Like it's 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 a form of care that's like not taught in medical school, maybe even. No, it's your right. The porters are part of the therapeutic chain and how they bring individuals to, to places and leave with them. It's part of the therapeutic chain. And You know, I I probably get more positive emails about the porters than anybody else. Isn't that something? And I, I, every time I meet a porter, I tell them how grateful I am for their their service and care of our patients. It's because it's just true. And, you know, every time I round, say, to an area and I'm met 
by, at the registration desk and I introduce myself and ask um, that, you know, and the person invariably says, well, I'm just the registration clerk or something like that. And I always say, oh my gosh. And I tell them that they are the person who first receives the patient in many circumstances in terms of our ambulatory areas. And they see them first. And that patient um, has the, the benefit of hearing their caring for them and hearing their putting them at ease and telling them, you know, exactly what to expect. It's a big job because if that encounter goes really well, it shapes everything that's to follow for that patient, maybe on a day they've been dreading or very, you know, concerned about or anxious about. So there's no such thing as just a registration clerk. Absolutely not. Yeah. And at times, I guess it could be hard to see what more you can do when, when individuals just call themselves, I'm, I'm just a porter, I'm just sitting in the, in the front desk welcoming patients. But we can all act as nourishers where we can go to someone and let them know how much you respect them and how much you care about them and provide them with that encouragement or that opportunity to tell them that they mean a lot throughout your entire process and your growth. Can I just tell you something I've discovered as I went sort of, For sure. um, let's say, up the ladder in in leadership, I need nourishing too. <laughs> and, and, and so what I do to, for that is um, I have a lot of requests to meet with me. And I always uh, ask my administrative partner, Deanna, to book someone every two weeks who just asks to see me. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a complaint <laughs> Or a compliment, if someone wants to meet with me who who just asks, please, I want to get to everybody. So I've had meetings where people have come in and they've said, oh, I didn't think you'd really see me because, you know, you're the present CEO. And I'm saying, happy to meet with you. And even if I don't, doesn't matter what you want to meet with me, I, I'm meeting someone new. And then I have leaders that are what some might say middle management or junior leaders, and they request to meet with me to ask a career question. I always take those meetings as well because because it's nice to be visited. People think they can't talk to you once you've you know reached a certain level, and so it becomes very lonely. And nourishing is a two way street, and I think it really helps me to hear directly from others. It's an, I, I don't like that idea that I, I would become inaccessible. People get afraid to talk to you, if, that, if you can imagine that. And so they stop talking to you, Moby. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I absolutely love and I And I hope if you're at London Health Science Center and you're listening, this is your chance. <laughs> Message Jackie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Later on, kind of coming back to the article, later on, uh, we get um, a description of a model leader uh, that can unlock progress supported by catalysts and nourishers. They are described as a leader who establishes a positive climate that sets positive team behavior norms, staying attuned to team progress, targeting support according to recent events, and establishing oneself as a resource to the team rather than a micromanager. These four factors really acquire staying attuned to your teams. Now, Jackie, the question for you is, what do you think we get wrong in trying to be in sync with our teams? And, and how do you think we can be better at this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I was really uh, appreciative 
of thinking about that component of the article. You know, so I believe speaking frequently and with transparency with team members is critical as individuals, but also as the collective. I think sometimes we underestimate, you know, how quickly and fast a team member might take the torch (laughs) and move forward with something. And the ability to just have some thought partnership and some collaboration, the power of that is, is often underestimated. So I'm a big believer in just having unstructured times of drop in where possible, or just some, what I call thought partnership as being very powerful. Having said that, I think no matter how great a leader, your, your team members don't always want to talk to you or have that thought partnership. They really, there's such a satisfaction with moving forward, having the big picture painted for you and moving forward with as much autonomy as possible. Because I have experienced failure, and it was failure, taking the direction from my leader without an ability to inform that direction. And it felt worse than had I followed my own advice and failed. It felt worse to be following someone else's direction and not having that latitude. And so I think it's important to Obviously, teams should be aligned and in sync, but it's really powerful to hand over to your team the power to say, you know, that that's not, I, I really want to bring a new idea in. And um, it's going to be totally out of sync, Jackie, with what I think I heard you saying uh, two days ago. But hear me out and know that the door is open to do that. And um, it, it wouldn't be the first time that I opened that door and changed my path. Like that's the strength of a team is as a leader is knowing you can't possibly know everything and you are not going to be the best idea generator in every topic on every agenda. It's not going to happen. And nor would you want a team that that was the circumstance every time. So I think if I were to answer the question specific to behaviors, though, I am very, very kind of take no prisoners on behavioral norms in my leadership teams. I would say I'm very much less forgiving on the behaviors front. The products, the ideas totally open, not the behaviors. I I think, I do think the behavior you condone is the bar you set. So I would have no tolerance for behaviors that weren't grounded in the values of of the organization and my own values personally. So hopefully there's been no prison breaks uh, lately, Jackie. (laughs) No, no. No, that's good because I think what you're saying is like setting the tone, I think is important and setting it at the beginning because just as humans, it's like easy to get into habits. So if you allow something to get into habit, then trying to break the habit is a lot harder. So starting from the beginning, setting those proper tones, setting the proper behaviors, is just more conducive to that learning environment, to that more um, inviting environment and places where we can like, work together as a team. And as you said, ideate and get those um, ideas going. Finally, in the article, we conclude with the progress loop um, as the last component of the progress principle. And the progress principle is an upward positive feedback loop wherein leaders establish the catalyst and nurtures to enable small wins and what we do is we celebrate them properly and it unlocks the motivation 
that improves performance and get those wins. So I'm not too sure if you're um, or our listeners are a fan of Inception. So the way I kind of look at it is like a snowball effect, but it's just going uphill and it's getting bigger and bigger because usually it doesn't do that. So that's the way I look kind of look at the progress route. And that proved performance leads to that continued small wins as it just builds upon each other, that positive feedback loop, which leads to that success. And the same way we can lead to success, as we talked about, like the opposite is true. So it also can lead to that negative feedback. So is there maybe a time you can talk about where you encountered that downward feedback loop before? And how did you break that cycle? Thank you. I, I did love that movie. Yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I I would say it was the most recent was, you know, the early days of the pandemic, where it, it just seemed as though things weren't going to get settled into a groove of the new normal. And then it did. But the real, really downward currents happened, I think, across the system when we were talking about moving from waves three to four, because at the start of the pandemic, wave two wasn't even a thought would be words put together. Wave two wasn't even thought of. By wave three, everyone was actually quite thinking, oh, gosh, this is it. And then when the words started forming wave four, I think the downward loop was in full play. And and to break that was was really starting to live the mantra of we've got this. Yeah, we may be facing a wave that we didn't imagine was even coming, but we've got this. And and I do think um, celebrating in a different way the the perseverance, the resilience, and bringing to the forefront the importance of wellness and um, and and trying to quantify the outcomes from the previous waves and resurfacing some of the intangibles, you know, the introduction of new service delivery models, the introduction of new research innovations globally that really just were profoundly significant and accomplished in in unprecedented durations of speed and and just starting to really bring to an awareness some of the, the previously not celebrated elements was really the key to breaking that cycle. It was also at a time when there was some backlash publicly about restrictions and vaccinations, et cetera. And helping shift that downward feeling was also creating empathy about how outside of the health system, you know, the general public really didn't have the information and awareness that we had. And Having empathy for people struggling really not just with um, how they were feeling for themselves as individuals, but for their children and and others in other sectors. So, you know, I think in short, communication and empathy go a long way, putting yourself in other people's shoes and, and thinking about different ways of communicating and focusing attention on different things are probably the strategies to break any loop. You know, that, that's been my experience. And it does take time. And once you get a little bit of that going, well, then it just snowballs yep. the, in the other direction. And I love how you brought in the communication, the empathy piece, because sometimes when we go down that downward spiral, like sometimes we're hurt. And there's a saying like to say, hurt people, hurt people. So the fact that you're yes. taking a leader, you're being a catalyst to still be a nourishment, 
to others. I think that's important, especially now as we're talking about joy. How do we bring joy even in times of crisis? Yeah, I will. I will just say that anytime I'm encountering a person who's upset or angry or someone who just isn't, I think, who they would wish to be in that moment, my first question is, are you okay? I hear what you're bringing to me. I understand you want to discuss X, but can I just pause for a moment and ask, are you okay? Because I, who wants to be that person? Nobody. That's a lot of negativity and anger. And often it's not who they want to be. It, I don't plan to ask that question. I mostly just do because I want to know what's, you know, I want to help. I want to meet them where they are. And, and I don't think they want to be met at a table of negativity. I think they want to be met as a, as a human, you know, and uh, park the X issue. And it's, and it's in those moments, kind of what I'm hearing from what you say is just taking a deep breath and stepping back is how you can perhaps break this entire loop. Because we're in this constant cycle where we sometimes even, where I even catch myself saying, how are you? But uh, like, um, they'll answer in the moment later, I'll continue moving on. And, and I think being retrospective about that to be like, all right, how I break this cycle of, of whatever feedback it is, is maybe taking a step back being present, taking a deep breath, and then asking, as Jackie said, are you okay? Yeah, you, you know what? I'm so, a long time ago, um, when my kids were little, I was walking with a friend and my two youngest children, and this person I'd never met before looked at the kids and said, oh, how are you? And they both said, excellent. <laughs> And then the, the stranger sort of looked up at me and said, oh, my gosh, why did they say that? I've never had children answer like that. And I said, I don't know. But my friend said, what do you mean you don't know? That's how you answer. <laughs> and if they were feeling excellent because we were out for a walk to the park, they would say that. But if they were feeling not excellent, they would have said what they felt as well. And I just believe and again, it's back to my parents. They they paused with that question. They really wanted to know. And I grew up with it being okay to say, you know, I asked someone out today and they said no, and I feel terrible about that. Or say, I had a great day. Um, you know, I got 12 out of 20 on, on my uh, biology test. And that for me was a really good thing at that moment. <laughs> or, you know, it, you have to, if you ask a question, you need to mean it. Absolutely. And I'm, and we're, I'm just going to leave it there. I think that's so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's all about reflection, taking a moment, taking a pause, stepping back and being you with a lot of empathy and compassion and just asking, are you okay? Or even how are you doing? As we near the end of today's podcast episode in season three, we have introduced a new segment called Rapid Fire. Now, Jackie, you perhaps don't know of this portion of the show. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Matt and I will ask you five questions um, where you'll have to answer each one in either a couple of words or a sentence. This will be a fun way to get to know you a little deeper and end the episode with some excitement and joy. <laughs> so let's get started. Jackie, how are you feeling? Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Fantastic. I promise the questions won't be too hard. <laughs> okay. Question number one. It's been a very long day and you just got home. What is the very first thing you're going to do? I'm going to kiss my husband hello. Every time. 
Lovely. Question number two. What is one thing or person in your life that is bringing you joy right now? I, I gotta say my husband. I got, I'm madly in love with this man. What can I say? Oh, <laughs> that's so lovely. <laughs> 34 years we had our wedding anniversary uh, two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, happy belated anniversary. Congrats, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So that looks like that's two points for the hubby. Um, the third question we have is, what's one thing leaders can do or say to bring joy to their teams? They can tell them how much they value them. Next question, what is, what's the last show that you binged and loved? Oh my gosh, um, um, Grace, Frankie and Grace. It might be called Grace and Frankie. I love that. Well, Bean, we're going to have to check that one out. I'm not familiar with that one yet. So this is the last question. Um, well, Bean, I don't know if you kind of lied a bit, but this one is the hardest question. So fill in the blank. Joy is. Joy is life. Joy is life. Joy is life. Joy is life. Yeah. That's so lovely. Yeah, put it on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, it's been such an honor, such a pleasure. And it's, it's, it's been amazing to have you a part of Built to Lead. As, as aspiring leaders, emerging leaders, you could say, trying to learn from others who have achieved such great things. It's such a privilege to have you on our show, to listen to you and listen more about your lived experience and how we can kind of get insights and make them actionable. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you both for the questions. It wasn't quite the linear path I thought it would be. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Thank you so very much. The pleasure is ours. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, we did it. In finishing our discussion of accomplishment, we have completed our exploration of the PERMA model. And what a way to end it on. It was such a privilege to be joined by Jackie, and we are grateful for her vulnerability, honesty, and positivity in how she transforms her failures into successes, and the importance of being on the pulse with the team. I agree, Mobin. we did do it. And the thing is, we're not done here, and we're not done yet. Next week, we're going to actually be joined by three emerging leaders in healthcare who followed along all season to get their perspectives and take on the season. So together, we're going to talk about what new leaders in healthcare can take away from the perspective of all these established leaders we learned from this season. Man, I'm telling you, my ears are perking up by the sound of that. So we'll see you next week for our final episode. Until then, we wish you a smile, a laugh, that your failures push you on your way to your next successes. A reminder and invitation to go reach out to Jackie if you're listening to us from London Health Science Center. And of course, we wish you joy. Thank you for joining us on Built to Lead, Season 3, Getting Back to Joy. Built to Lead is created and hosted by Matthew Goldberg and co-hosted by Mubin Lalani. Built to Lead is a companion podcast to the Vernissage Health Dialogue series at the Institute of Health Policy, Management, and Evaluation at the University of Toronto. Tell us what you thought about this week's episode. You can find us on LinkedIn at Vernissage Health and on Instagram at Vernissage Health. You'll find both of these in the episode description. 
Today's episode was produced by Hannah Hodgins and Tony DeShenza with music composed by Sindhu. Special thanks to Wendy Nelson, Senior Fellow at the Institute for Health Policy Management and Evaluation.